It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It is episode 8 of This Week in Fantasy as we head into week 3 of the NFL season. It always goes by so fast. You wait so long. We did all the preview podcasts, the preseason, training camp, everything, and and now we're almost a month into the season. It's crazy how quickly it goes, but hopefully you're sitting at 2-0 and or 1-1, and or if you are sitting at a dreaded 0-2 like I am in a couple leagues, I actually have one team where I lost Adrian Peterson, Amir Abdullah, Arian Foster, Dante Moncrief, and Brandon Marshall, all from the same team. So I certainly feel you if you're struggling, but hopefully we can turn that around this week a lot of opportunity this week and um you know if you are 0 and 3 heading into the week after that's when you really have to start to to do something drastic because that is a big hole to climb out of but hopefully if you are 0 and 2 we can change that this week so i've got sigmund bloom coming up in a little bit i was able to catch up with him earlier this week we talked about all the running back injuries how that affects fantasy who to go after all that kind of stuff uh, and we got into some week 3 stuff as well i am going to Quickly try and breeze through the slate of games here for you and just give you my quick thoughts on each game and some people that stand out and uh, any DFS plays in there if uh, if uh, they're notable. Um, and, and then we'll get to Sigmund and, and hopefully get you set for uh, for this big week too. All right, let's start off with that Arizona-Buffalo game at 1 o'clock. Uh, fair amount of 1 o'clock starts this week. Um, I, look, that Arizona looked awesome against uh, Tampa Bay last week. I think that team is back they were angry. That first uh, performance against pa- the Patriots never looked like the same team we saw last year. I think we are uh, okay to keep trusting this Arizona offense moving forward. Larry Fitzgerald, a really nice play this week, uh, obviously has been their best receiver so far. And Palmer is still looking for him and going for him. The, the, the demise of Larry Fitzgerald has been greatly over-exaggerated, so a really nice play. And uh, David Johnson is my top running back on the board this week. He hasn't 
gotten a chance to uh, really break out yet in the first two weeks, but has clearly been the main guy, been getting the most of the snaps and the most of the touches and, and taking advantage of them uh, against the Buffalo defense that just gave up three touchdowns to Matt Forte. I love David Johnson this week, especially in DFS, if you're going that route. All right, Oakland, Tennessee at 1 o'clock as well. This Oakland defense has been one of the surprises of the first two weeks. People expected it to be pretty good, and it's been the exact opposite. Uh, I believe the first team in NFL history to give up 500 yards or more in back-to-back weeks to start the season. Uh, Going up against Tennessee, who's not necessarily an offensive juggernaut, found a way to get it done against Detroit last week. I don't think this is going to be a shootout. I know there are some people saying that. There's certainly a, a possibility for it, but... I think there's going to be one of those 24-21 type of games. I think it'll be close. I like Mariota this week as far as it goes, especially in DFS. Uh, Taj Sharp, a nice play as well. 11 targets last week. Uh, Should be the number one guy. And Delaney Walker, a great play as well against this Oakland defense. But I think Oakland gets it back on track both defensively this week and offensively. They've been good to go. So I think that offense keeps it going this week against Tennessee. Moving on to Cleveland in Miami. The Browns. Not very good. Twenty to spot a twenty to two lead to uh, the Ravens last week. Found a way to lose the game. You have to like this Miami offense. They started to pick it up in that second half against New England. Granted, it did seem like New England kind of just was out of it once Jimmy Garoppolo went down. But certainly, it was nice to see some positivity from that offense. Uh, if you're going to take a shot on any Miami guys this weekend, I, I think it's the passing attack. Tannehill, a really nice DFA DFS play for the price against this. Bad Cleveland pass defense. Uh, also, you know, Jarvis Landry, a great play in DFS this week. And, you know, if you want to take a shot on Jay Ajayi, he will be starting with Foster out. I am not the biggest Jay Ajayi fan, but starting reps are starting reps, and Cleveland is a really bad defense, so not the worst under-the-radar play this week. All right, heading to uh, and on the Cleveland side, I don't like anybody. Cody Kessler is going to be starting that Miami defense. Not very good. Look, I think Isaiah Crowell will be okay. Uh, you know, Duke Johnson might be okay, but I'm I'm staying away, if at all possible, from that Cleveland offense. All right, let's stick in the Sunshine State with those Jaguars. You got to love what Gus is building down there, right? The uh, the Gus bus might be running off the road soon. Obviously, a really, really disappointing performance in Week 2, getting smoked by the Chargers. Not a very good Chargers team, I don't think. Um, so that that was disappointing. Uh, playing the Ravens at home this week, you have to expect this offense to get back on track. Bortles, Robinson have done nothing for you so far. TJ Yeldon has been awful. Uh, it looks like Ivory might be back. I'd be weary of starting him this week, uh, especially considering how much time he's missed. But I think ultimately moving forward, Chris Ivory will be the running back you want to own in Jacksonville. As far as this week specifically, I think that it's an Aaron, it's an Allen Robinson week. I, I, he has to get back on track here. If he doesn't, I'm going to start worrying about him for real. But the targets have been there. Jason Verrett just did an awesome job against him last week. So I, I think Robinson, who's a, a nice discount in DFS this week as well, gets back on track. All right, Green Bay hosting the Lions. Green Bay is... Uh, been the subject of a lot of talk this week, people wondering if they're actually any good. And and it's a fair question because they haven't looked very good. They beat that Jaguars team barely, uh, and we just talked about how they got throttled by San Diego. And, of course, losing to Minnesota on Monday night, in that, or excuse me, Sunday night in that ugly, ugly football game. So um, I'm not super worried about the Packers' offense, but... Jordy Nelson, I know he's got a couple touchdowns, but he has not been getting open. Randall Cobb has not looked that great either. Eddie Lacy looks fat and slow. 
Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm worried about the Packers, and if they can't do it this week against a Lions defense that's missing its two best players in Ezekiel Ansah and DeAndre Levy, then I'm going to be really worried moving forward, especially because they're in Green Bay. But, you know, with Packers history, with Aaron Rodgers being who he is, and, and also, you know, uh, he's heard the talk this week too, I'm sure. Uh, my guess is they get back on track. But again, if they don't, it's really something to worry about. On the other side of the ball, though, uh, the Detroit offense has been pretty good, minus the second half against Tennessee. Sam Shields will be out for the Packers. He is their best corner. So, uh, you know, I, I think you enroll with Marvin Jones again. I think Stafford will be okay. I, I do like that Green Bay defense, but Stafford's looked really good with Jim Bob Cooter. Got to mention the name always. Jimmy, Jimmy Bob, great name, obviously, but also looks like a really great offensive coordinator. So um, I think Detroit... Might be able to hang in this game a little bit, but ultimately you have to expect and hope the Packers to put up some points. Uh, real quick, speaking about Detroit, uh, we will get into that running back situation with Sigmund in just a little bit. All right, let's move on to Cincinnati as Denver heads into town. The Bengals 1-1, one one. Broncos sitting at 2-0, and so Cincinnati needs the game. That Denver Broncos defense is still as good as it was last year, and, and you know they made Andrew Luck look silly. So uh, I like that defense. In DFS, it's not the highest-priced defense, uh, so that's a play for me. Uh, outside of that, you know, C.J. Anderson, you have to like. He looks so good. They're going to continue to run the football. Cincinnati uh, actually did a pretty nice job against D'Angelo Williams last week, held him to 2.9 yards per carry, uh, but they, you know, he got his points. He got his points, whether it's through the passing game, running game, so uh, I do like C.J. Anderson this week. Outside of that, this game is just a stay away from me. Obviously, if you own A.J. Green, you're going to play him. Potentially, Gio Bernard could get some work uh, if they're down or in the passing game coming off a big week, but for me, this game, uh, pretty much a stay away across the board. All right, let's head down to Carolina. Another defensive contest here, likely. Minnesota in town. Sammy B in the house. Uh, look, that defense in Minnesota is is legit. Like, top five good legit. So, I, I'm not saying sit your Panthers. You obviously aren't sitting Cam Newton, but... I would definitely be a little leery about starting my Panthers against the Vikings and, and vice versa with the Vikings, obviously, against this Panthers defense, though it hasn't looked as good as it did last season. But, man, if you're, if you're a star player, just stay away from Minnesota. Adrian Peterson, Teddy Bridgewater, Matt Khalil, their best lineman goes down. So I am worried about that offense, especially that O-line's ability to protect Bradford. Uh, having said that, Stephon Diggs is just straight legit. Uh, he's so good. Um, he can get open against anybody, I think. You know, at least that's the way it seems. So I think you have to roll with Diggs if you have him in DFS. He is insanely low priced still. So I would roll with Diggs, but outside of that, I'm staying away from that mini offense. Jarek McKinnon, I like moving forward as an Adrian Peterson replacement, but this is not the week to play him in my eyes. All right, the last of the one o'clock starts in New York, a little NFC East matchup. The struggling Washington Native Americans taking on. The Giants, that Giants D, much ballyhooed over the first couple of weeks as the new great defense. We will see. Uh, not a lot of competition that they've gone up against. I know that Saints offense is good, but it, they had chances in that game, and they just didn't convert. So I'm not willing to to call this Giants defense a, a top unit yet, but certainly positive what we've seen from them. And, and guess what? Kirk Cousins, not very good at football. He can't make the throws he needs to make, and obviously in the red zone, he really just doesn't have the arm to get it into those tight spots. So, um, look, I, I, I think you, you play you play your Redskins here that you would play normally. I think Deshaun's probably going to be okay. 
But uh, I, I'm kind of just down on this Redskins offense in general. Cousins might get there for you volume-wise because they can't run the ball at all. So uh, that's something to consider. But I, I'm not super bullish on this team right now offensively. On the flip side, the Giants, you got to like Sterling Shepard this week, especially with the news coming out that Josh Norman will be shadowing Odell Beckham at least as much as possible. Um, so Shepard should get a chance to get some free looks without Norman on him. Looked really good last week, 117 yards receiving. I think he had eight catches. So uh, has clearly already become a big part of that offense. And uh, look, I'm not going to shy away from OBJ either if you own him, but you have to be a little more scared going up against Norman. Uh, and then I also like Victor Cruz there. So I'm in on all the receivers there. I think Eli has a decent week, even though he struggled so far. So I would start my Giants this week. All right, let's get into the four o'clock and beyond uh, starts. We've got a Tampa Bay hosting the Rams. Not a lot of fantasy goodness in this one. I would veer away from Todd Gurley right now. Rams defense pretty good against the run. So, um, look, if you own Gurley in a season long, you probably have to play him. I don't know if you have better options, but I think it's going to be a couple more weeks before he really gets it going when that schedule clears up for them. Other side of the ball, I like the passing game for Tampa Bay. It's hard to run against St. Louis. Or, yes, look at that. I said St. Louis. I wasn't. I was going to edit that out, but you know what? Fuck it. Los Angeles, uh, worse against the pass than against the run. So uh, I do like Charles Sims in the passing game as well. He will get the full workload, it seems, or the vast majority of it at the running back spot with Doug Martin out. But James Winston, Mike Evans, both strong plays for me this week. All right, let's move on to Seattle. San Francisco in town. Uh, This is going to be ugly, man. There's no offense in this game. That Seattle D should be able to shut down the Niners. I wouldn't start any of my Niners this week if I owned them to begin with. Um, But I'm also a little scared of starting Seattle, especially Russell Wilson or anyone in that passing game. Not because San Francisco is especially good against the pass, but more so because uh, Wilson just doesn't look 100% right. That O-line has been terrible, especially pass blocking wise. So I'm nervous there. Having said that, I kind of like Kristen Michael this week. I would start him simply because it looks like Rawls will be out. He is doubtful. and, And Michael getting the full workload is absolutely worth starting, and it's not like San Francisco has a stout run defense either. But outside of that, I'm, I'm probably avoiding this game. All right, uh, Kansas City hosting the Jets. Brandon Marshall, the big question for this game. Uh, if he does play, I don't know how you sit him, but uh, he said today that he didn't feel like he was where he needed to be, so I'm a little nervous about it. Eric Decker uh, is is a, probably a must-start either way. But um, look, if Marshall start if Marshall is active, I think you have to start him. But if you can get away from it, I, I probably would. Uh, Quincy Anunua probably gets a little bit of a bump up if Marshall's out, but he is more effective out of the slot, so I wouldn't get too carried away with that. I think Decker probably gets the biggest bump if Marshall's out, and I do like Forte a lot in this game as well. Flipping over to the Kansas City side of the ball, I. I'm not starting anybody, honestly. Maybe Macklin, New York, has struggled against the pass, so Macklin, not an awful play, but too much of a timeshare between Ware and West in that running game and and the Jets' offensive line, or excuse me, the Jets' defensive line, just too good for me to risk that. Obviously, if you don't have any better options, I would start Ware over West, Uh, but again, I'm I'm probably staying away from them as well. All right, into India as those Chargers heading to town. We mentioned that before. This has the highest Vegas point total of the week, so expect a shootout here. I like the Chargers a lot. I like Rivers. I like Benjamin. I like Melvin Gordon this week. I even like Hunter Henry as a, a, you know, upside tight end play with Antonio Gates out. Uh, I like them all in DFS, especially all of them are priced incredibly reasonably considering how good they are and considering the opportunity 
opportunities that they have. Flipping over to the other side of the ball, uh, Indy, I'm a little nervous about Luck, especially with Moncrief out. I don't trust Dorsett as a second receiver. Jason Verrett will probably be on Hilton whenever he's not in the slot. That limits his value somewhat. I like Frank Gore a little bit as a sneaky play, and I hate Frank Gore as a fantasy play this year. I just, you never think he's going to keep it going, but he's been there. He's been the, the main guy, so this is a nice matchup for him. So uh, in DFS, for, for a very cheap price, I might take a role with him in some tournaments. But for the most part, uh, I do prefer the San Diego side of this game. All right, and uh, the last of the 425 starts, those Eagles hosting the Steelers in a, in a big matchup. Who would have thought this game would matter as much as it does? I like Wentz. I like Matthews. I like the Eagles' passing game against the Steelers. They are not great against the pass, not great at rushing the passer. So I think Wentz will have the time to take advantage of a subpar secondary. I am staying away from Matthews in the running game. Pittsburgh great against the run, and I think that the Eagles are going to have to throw the ball to compete. On the other side of the ball, uh, start everybody. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm a little less excited about D'Angelo Williams than than most. I, I think the Eagles' run defense will be a little bit better against a, a quality opponent, but Antonio Brown might have 700 yards receiving in this game. I mean, <laughs> I mean seriously, he's gonna, he is going to eat up this Eagles secondary. There's no one who can stick with him. There are no two guys who could stick with him together. Um, so Antonio Brown, a great play in all formats for me. All right, the Sunday night contest. Dallas hosting the Chicago Bears with Brian Hoyer. Uh, I, I'm staying away from the Bears. Uh, you know, maybe you start Alshon. I don't think the, the downgrade from Hoyer to, excuse me, from Cutler to Hoyer is that big, especially when you saw how successful DeAndre Hopkins was with Hoyer last year. So I, I kind of like Alshon against a, a porous Dallas secondary, but outside of that, I, I just can't roll the dice with any of those running backs. Langford has been terrible. Jordan Howard looked good, uh, but we don't know what kind of role he's going to have. So I'm staying away from them. Other side of the ball, you have to like the Cowboys. You know, uh, Dez, Ezekiel Elliott, even though the fumbles were an issue, uh, we saw how bad this Bears defense is, and they lost guys in the game against the Eagles. So uh, I'm, I'm starting my Cowboys this week as far as it goes. Uh, and then we round it out with Monday night, the potential probably uh, wait the whole weekend to get to the biggest fantasy game of the week. Uh, look, last week we expected that Saints-Giants game to be a shootout. It was not I'd be very surprised if this one is also not a shootout, uh, especially with the defenses involved. Two awful, awful defenses. You got to expect points in this game on both sides of the ball. I prefer the passing attacks in both phases, uh, mostly because Atlanta, uh, they've been mixing it up. You don't really know whether it's going to be Coleman or Freeman who's going to get the lion's share of the work. So it's a, you know kind of a situation you want to stay away from if you can. But Matt Ryan, man, I, I, I hate that guy in, in fantasy and have for years. And he's proven me wrong so far this year. He looks great and is a perfect matchup for him. So I think you got to roll with him and Julio and Tammy and anyone involved in that passing game. And then same thing on the other side. Willie Sneed worried a little bit about him, got an injury thing. If he is active, you obviously play him. But Brandon Cooks, Drew Brees, even Mark Ingram in a, in a passing type of role, even though he hasn't gotten the same type of targets as last year so far, I like this week, so I think this is a big shootout game, even though I said that last week, so if I'm wrong, I apologize, but leaning that way. All right, let's get to it. I caught up with him earlier this week. We break down the running back injuries and a whole lot more. Here he is, Mr. Sigmund Bloom. And as always, I'd like to welcome in our weekly guest, the uh, the man with the deepest thoughts and the uh, the greatest thinker that I've met in the fantasy realm. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at his name, at Sigmund Bloom, of course. Also, the co-owner 
at footballguys.com. Mr. Sigmund Bloom, what's up, brother? I think it's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Uh, oh, my the goodness. fantasy football world is full of thinkers. We are the navel gazers, and I do like to look at my navel, and usually there's a little football game going on in my head that I project onto it. <laughs> See, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I couldn't have put any better myself. All right, Sigmund, well, speaking of that game, and, and unfortunately, though, this is right. the week to talk about the uh, the downside of sometimes uh, the season-long fantasy where you've got a guy and – you spend I pick on him, maybe like Adrian Peterson, and then yeah. he tears up something in his knee. And this was a, obviously a crazy week with Abdullah and Peterson and Foster and, and a list and Doug Martin. And, you know, I could just keep going of guys who went down. So I'm going to ask you some general questions about the whole group of injured running okay. backs. But I want to just quickly start with AP and, and just ask. I know he's come back from things that people didn't think he could and time right. ranges. There's no way he's back this year, right? medical science would say three to four months, <laughs> uh, maybe December. They'll hold out hope. If they can make the playoffs, he would be back around the playoffs. But chances are, even if you try to hold him at some point, as you go through the bye week gauntlet, you'll need to drop him. And it's just at some point we will revisit this week 10, week 11, week 12. Maybe we'll be talking about, well, it was worth it to hold him through all of this. But he was running poorly behind a poor run-blocking offensive line, Matt Khalil, their left tackle just went on IR. So I really think that it's tough, but you got to let him go. Yeah, that's the way I feel as well. And uh, I will be doing so in a league where I have him and Amir Abdullah and Arian Foster for that matter. Oh. But at least it looks like I might get him back here. Um, but let, let's segue there. And, and uh, like I said, I agree. The Khalil point, a great point as well. People might not realize uh, not only their left tackle, but the best lineman on that line along with Alex Boone so that that's a big loss for them but um let's look at the whole group obviously we we named like four or five of them a, a bunch of starting running backs go down uh outside of AP who we've already covered uh who of those running backs are you the least worried about and who are you the most worried about and then in that vein favorite uh you know pickup of all the handcuffs out there yeah I think that I mean Obviously, Woodhead's out for the year. Abdullah's out for maybe the year, at least six to eight weeks. Probably the one I'm least worried about is Doug Martin because he's dodging Los Angeles, Denver, and Carolina, and then there's the bye. And the fact that he's got the week six bye at the end of this three-week timeline makes me feel like when he comes back, they'll be erring on the side of him being at full health and the recurrence issue with hamstrings, we can lessen that. And he looked really good in week one. He made, I think, eight tacklers miss. So it wasn't him uh, as much as it was just some quality defense in week one by Atlanta, bottling him up. So he's the one I'm least worried about. Of the three, the, you know, the one I'm, uh, you know, we've talked about Abdullah and Woodhead. There's not really much to delve into there because of their timelines. Arian Foster's the one that I'm almost saying ready to move on at this point. Or you, you're releasing him. Uh, you're releasing him because now you're reminded of the in-game injury risk, that any week you play him, you can also always roll snake eyes like you did this past week. Of the handcuffs, obviously... Jarek McKinnon's the guy with the talent. We'll see if he can overcome what Adrian Peterson couldn't. Hopefully they use him more out of the shotgun, more in space. He's a different kind of running back. The sleeper, the under-the-radar guy, I think, is Dwayne Washington in Detroit. He was already getting goal line carries. He is roughly similar to Bryce Brown, uh, a running back with great size and speed and athleticism. His game needs to tighten up. But... Obviously, the Lions took him in the seventh round and like him enough to keep him. They like him enough to keep him active over Zach Zenner, who they liked last year. They released Stephen Ridley. 
I think that you're going to see Dwayne Washington have a chance to show what he can do. And anytime we have a physical talent of his caliber, we have to be hope, open to, uh, you know, Bryce Brown. Remember when Bryce Brown hit the scene? We were pretty blown away. It didn't last. But, hey, if he can do that for two or three games, I'll take that on the waiver wire. Sigmund, I'm in Philadelphia. I absolutely remember when Bryce yeah. Brown busted out. And Bryce Brown, one of those guys, was uh, actually, I believe, one of the top two running back recruits in all of college heading yep. into college. You know, one of those guys who just had some issues and was never able to put it together, uh, you know, changed colleges, transferred. So, um, but, yeah, a great, great comp there. And, and Dwayne Washington was my favorite name as well, especially because of how good that Detroit offense looked, uh, at least week one. And I know they stumbled a bit, but there were some penalties, some things there that, that could have changed the, their fortunes, yeah. I think, pretty quickly in that game. So and just to put a quick point on this with with Dwayne Washington, um, you know, this is a player at six two two twenty six, ran a four 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 forty, a thirty seven wow. inch vert, a ten foot seven inch broad jump. And here's some key numbers. A short shuttle of four two four and a three cone of six two nine, those are wide receiver numbers. Those are the kind of numbers you see associated with, you know, Sterling Shepard or a quick wide receiver. So it's all there for him. And I agree with what you said about Detroit. And the other thing is this obviously there's a carnage everywhere. Everybody's going to be putting in all their waiver wire pickups and there'll be more money thrown at McKinnon, maybe some money thrown at Charles Sims if he's out there and so on. Dwayne Washington's that guy that you might be able to get for cheaper as everybody stampedes to get other more known running backs and that could end up being the best pick in a week or two. So that's one of those under the radar waiver wire pickups that maybe isn't getting enough attention. My next question, which is great too, because you just kind of tied it all together was, uh, which of the under-radar, under-the-radar pickups who maybe isn't yeah. a handcuff? Um, so maybe give me one who, who yeah, sure. isn't going to be the guy right away but is better than the handcuff that's going to take over. Well, I'm not going to just – I'm going to cheat, okay? Yeah. I'm going to go to a different situation here and say Kenneth Dixon. This isn't necessarily one more oh, I like that. handcuff here. I like that. But So we have what we call on our waiver wire show – the preemptive pickup. And as we go through the season, there are situations where you see it coming maybe a few weeks away and you want to pick up the player before they get in the news. This is Kenneth Dixon. Kenneth Dixon is the only running back on the Baltimore Ravens who can be a true three down back. Uh, he's also a running back that looked fantastic before he went down in the third game of the preseason. Terrence West and Justin Forsett aren't showing me much. I think Kenneth Dixon, when he does come back, was supposed to be maybe a four- to six-week time frame, so we're looking at getting into that window when we should hear about him practicing again. He can make both of these backs backups if he plays up to his potential. I would roughly equate him to a running back like Fred Jackson. Now, Fred Jackson never took over, but Fred Jackson usually had competition like C.J. Spiller, uh, players like that. I don't see somebody that's playing like that for Baltimore right now. I think Kenneth Dixon could be someone, if you put him away, uh, could really pay off for you. Love, 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 love that. I have Kenneth Dixon on multiple rosters. Uh, Terrence West and Justin Morissette, I'll take it even a step further. You said they haven't showed you much. I'll say they've shown me nothing. Yeah. Uh, they And they look slow. Like, they not just numbers. When you watch that, that team, I mean, that offensive line is – better than the numbers would suggest. Those guys have really done a bad job of hitting the holes, of taking advantage of opportunities, and it hasn't always been there, but I've seen very little from them, and I like Dixon a lot. And who would have thought that, what is it, 2016, we get a Bryce Brown reference and a Fred Jackson reference in the same podcast. It's terrific. You go deep on the, uh, the comps. I love it. Well, well, really, you should get my uh, one of my cohorts, Matt Waldman, on. He'll take you all the way back to 
you know, the 70s and the 80s. Some of us would rather not admit our age, so I try to keep my references somewhat recent. No, it's good. I love it. I uh, I freely admit my age, and uh, I'm not that much uh, younger than you, so you're no, not an no. old man at all. Uh, all right, Sigmund, uh, let's jump in. Uh, uh, about to uh, get to inside the Sigmund mind, inside the mind of Sigmund Bloom, which we love. But real quick, I want you to give me a name. One name good, one name bad. Through the first two weeks of football, who has changed your opinion the most on them? It's Stephon Diggs. I mean, he's if we were drafting today, he'd probably be a top 10 or top 12 wide receiver pick. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. He's getting open at will. He's showing great speed. He's mastered the route tree. He's gotten off of press coverage in a way that shut him down last year in the second half of the year. He's been a massive breakout player. Uh, and, you know, it's not so much the player, but the concern level. I get a lot of questions. Are, how concerned are you? Or is it time to be concerned about mm-hmm. Todd Gurley? It's, of course it's time to be concerned about <laughs> Todd Gurley. The reality is there aren't very many running backs left. Pull up, up your week three running back rankings, and you're going to see that just for a running back, if you could just tell me he's going to get 15 touches in the game, he's yeah. probably a strong running back too no, at this it's point. it's totally true. So Todd Gurley can at least give you that. Especially with bye weeks coming up too. It's going to get really ugly. It's kind of like you, you, you took him to the dance and you're going to have to – that's your date for the whole dance oh, man. It's at this true, point. It's true, though. It's a good point. So I think that to the idea of getting out of Todd Gurley at this point, you can try. Uh, but I think that – and there's another tough matchup against Tampa Bay. So disappointing. What's disappointing here is the very same bad situation that Todd Gurley was this beautiful flower that sprung up out of. It's just dirt now. Yeah, no, I mean, Case Keenum will do that, man, right? It's just, uh, and and not just that, I mean, you look around the league, and obviously uh, here in Philly, we are uh, very, very happy with Carson Wentz, but, you know, just the the sheer amount of rookie quarterbacks who have started, and I actually think I retweeted you saying, like, you know, every rookie quarterback will start the season before Jared Goff, you know, obviously being a bit facetious, but it's really been wild, hasn't it? And, And, you know, before we get inside the mind, how crazy is it? Uh, just kind of even outside of the fantasy perspective in your mind, how all these rookie quarterbacks have, you know, played and a couple of them and, and obviously Wentz and Dak has looked nice. Um, I, I, but Jared Goff seems light years away from playing on a team that has Case Keenum. It, is it right. as shocking to you as it is to me? It is shocking. But we do have to remember, speaking of our age, that there was a time that uh, first round pick quarterbacks weren't judged until their third year mm-hmm. or fourth year. And it was often expected that they would sit for at least a year. Now, we've come a long way. I think that Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, Robert Griffin III, Russell Wilson, they ruined this. They yes. totally ruined it. Because look, look at a player like Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon, by a rookie quarterback standards, was excellent. Oh, man. He, he can't get a sniff. So, you know, that's the thing. Like, Cody Kessler's going to start. Dak Prescott's going to start. Uh, you know, we're seeing Jacoby Brissett start. Uh, and, and Mike Glennon... It cannot get a sniff. A first-round pick, Minnesota gave up a first and a fourth-round pick for Sam Bradford. I think that Glennon could still be good. I just think that our perception of rookie quarterbacks now are if they don't play, something's terribly wrong. And I'm seeing people who five or ten years ago would have been more conservative traditionalists saying something's really, really wrong if Jared Goff isn't displacing Case Keenum. And, hey, we watch Case Keenum play, and I understand that stance, but quarterbacks are like, embryos <laughs> you know uh, we're, we're still looking at the ultrasound and mentally uh if, if, there is something to the idea that if you throw a quarterback out there before he's ready mentally it's going to imprint on him in a way that's going to sh- like blink abber you know it's going to shut him down it's going to it's if the game's too fast you see ghosts 
you see negative possibilities everywhere. It's too much. It's an overload. So the story still yet to be written about Jared Goff. I think this is the interesting story here is how now we're starting to judge rookie quarterbacks, not just at the end of their rookie year, at the beginning of their rookie year. No, it's fascinating. but I, and, and it's interesting, too, because – and I'm not opening up a whole – you know, huge discussion, but it's funny yeah. because um, when you just look at those quarterbacks too, you can also, and I agree with what you're saying, but you can also flip it around and say, hey, if they're going to be an all-time great or, you know, a franchise-changing right. quarterback, they're going to be able to be ready from day one. And, and yeah, it right. looks like someone like Wentz is a, kind of someone you would put in that class of like, yeah, you only, like we talked about, the 38 preseason snaps or whatever. And, right. you know, coming from, D, you know, FCS school and, and, eight days to prepare for the start it's just um i think so i think there's something to both sides of that and, yeah. and it's probably somewhere in between but it's really well you're, you're absolutely right the way we judge these rookie quarterbacks is is completely different than it used to be and it's difficult too because it creates a feedback loop jared goff is hearing this i mean it can change the outcome for jared goff it's going to test him early because he's already getting questions about this and he hasn't even had a chance to really show but you're right i mean the biggest argument in favor of being concerned is your franchise pick number one pick should come in and even if he's not ready to play for some reason have some control in the building your franchise is going to take on the personality of your head coach and your quarterback so rams fans right away hear that say oh we don't want to take on the personality of jeff fisher but i don't know where carson wentz has a big personality carson wentz has calmed this franchise and really lifted it it sounds to me like Jared Goff, and he comes off as sort of meek, uh, is really kind of stay out of harm's way, and that's a bad sign. So I'm not trying to spin this as a good thing. I just think things have changed a lot in a very short amount of time. No, they're all great points, and it's a fascinating discussion, especially with all the pressure of a new team in Los Angeles again and all that. There's there's so many facets to this, but um, uh, you know, all I'll say is as an Eagles fan, it's pretty fun to have a, a kid yeah. like here. You know, it's pretty exciting for the future. But that actually really perfectly in my fandom leads me into Inside the Mind of Sigmund Bloom because we've talked to you about so many other facets of, of uh, you know, entertainment and, and interests and possessions and all that. But we haven't ever really gotten into your sports fandom, which I uh, find to yeah. be interesting considering how much sports we talk here. So who do you root for? What's your uh, – yeah. if, you, if you have four A teams, the, the old yeah. school four, what, uh, what, uh, what are your teams? I'll try not to – uh, be like an old man in the rocking chair on the porch right now. But um, I, I was I was born in Mount Lebanon, Pennsylvania, suburb of Pittsburgh, in 1975. So Pittsburgh Steelers in my blood, and yeah. probably that's why football. And you'll be happy to know that when the Steelers were down in the 80s, at the end of the Chuck Knoll era, I became a big fan of the Buddy Ryan Eagles. Hey, that was that was a wonderful team. That Fog Bowl still sits with uh, doesn't sit well with me. Doesn't yeah, sit, that, still that defense. Day. It's a shame they couldn't get uh, more wins. Clyde that Simmons, defense. Andre Waters may rest in yeah, peace, and so on. Red Reggie uh, met Ray May recipes as well. Oh, man. So uh, Steelers, and, and then Mario Lemieux was like a folk hero growing up. Mario Lemieux, he was our Jordan, basically. Sure. Like taking a team out of the gutter and turning it into something amazing and great. And I'll always be a Penguins fan. Uh, Pirates, painfully. <laughs> and, you know, I would be talking to you right now, James, if it wasn't for Francisco Cabrera. I was actually, I wanted to be the play-by-play announcer for the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's Get what I out of here. And that play, that hit, Sid Bream a, hustling around the bases, that did yeah, it to you? I was a stock boy at Foodland. Uh, most of Pennsylvania people were nodding along. I saved my money. I camped out to get tickets to the World Series, uh, 90, 91, 92. These are my high school years. And uh, 
heartbreak can only you only have your heart broken so many times before you give up. Uh, and then uh, no basketball team, NBA. I mean, I haven't really had a team. I liked I liked rooting for the Lakers growing up and Michael Jordan. I liked watching greatness be great. Me too. And I also uh, a Syracuse University grad, Syracuse Orange, Carmelo Anthony, two thousand three. That was a tremendous moment. Uh, and I did grow up enjoying pit basketball, pit football, the days of Dan Marino. Craig Ironhead Hayward, uh, Swerving Curvin Richards. Uh, but then once I, you know, it was like, sorry, Pitt fans, but when I went to Syracuse, it felt like a promotion. Although now I think that Syracuse is looking up at everybody in the college football world. Yeah, yeah, no, that's funny. Maybe even Temple, which you would have never said uh, uh, even five years ago, much State. less when I went, uh, you know, for undergrad. So, but uh, that was awesome, Saban. That was a very strong answer, and you've had some uh, some some wins in your lifetime, which is nice. Um, all right, Sigmund, uh Before you get out of here, do you want to pump anything up on FootballGuys.com? Any uh, interesting content coming up this week? We have we got you covered every possible way: DFS, IDP, Dynasty, uh, Redraft. Just uh, we have so many writers. We've got uh, trend spotting, looking at trends from my, my man Ryan Hester. I, I, I don't even see it. And I feel like I'm going to leave people out, so I shouldn't even do this. Just if you're a subscriber, you know. And if not, check us out on the Audible eight free episodes a week. Me and uh, Cecil Lammy, Matt Baldman, Gene mm. Bramel. Uh, it's always fun. It's fun to take this journey together. Yeah, it is. And, and you and uh, Cecil are terrific together as well. And uh, Cecil, uh, uh, a forgotten name. I wish there were more Cecils yeah. out there. Um, so Sigmund, uh, another name that there should be more of. So yeah. <laughs> again, follow him on Twitter at Sigmund Bloom again. Uh, thank you, Sigmund. We'll talk to you next week. Always great pleasure. Thanks. Awesome. Awesome stuff as always from Sigmund. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for episode eight of this week in fantasy. We will be back next week with more content, more fun stuff for you. And again, hopefully you go out, you win this game and you're, you're one and two, if you're and two or three and hour, two and one or whatever it is. But Either way, I will be here next week to help you out. And again, if you have any any questions, any game day stuff, I'm always available on Twitter at James Seltzer. Hit me up with any questions, any thoughts, and I will do my best to help you out. So again, uh, for Sigmund Bloom, this is James Seltzer, and this has been Episode 8 of This Week in Fantasy. Keep the style in the way the cops sweat uh-huh. The number one question is can the feds get us? Uh-huh. I got vendettas and dice games against uh-huh. Advetters and niggas who pump wheels and drive jettas Take that with ya Hit ya, back split ya uh-huh. Or fist fight to lame scuffles uh-huh. Pillowcase to your face, make the shell muffle Shoot your daughter in the calf muscle uh-huh. The tussle, nickel plated Sprinkle coke on the floor make-